This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. I'm an editorial assistant here at Slate, and I'm your host for this season of Working. For the next few episodes, we're going to be focusing on influencers, taking a deep dive into an industry that's changed from one that was really only understood by teens glued to their phones, to one that's now covered by journalists at the New York Times and The Atlantic. This week, we're joined by astrologer extraordinaire Chani Nicholas. In the past few years, astrology has grown from a semi-ironic millennial mainstay to an industry that brands like Spotify and Urban Outfitters are trying to cash in on. The recent boom has made minor celebrities of astrologers like Chani, who has over a quarter of a million followers between her Twitter and Instagram page. As a lifelong astrologer, Chani has a really great perspective on how social media and the internet have popularized astrology. What's your name and what do you do? My name is Chani Nicholas. I pause there because you can say my name Chani or Hani. Both are correct. I am an astrologer and a writer of astrology mostly. So you are one of my one of the guests I was most excited to have on because I've been following you for a while. But can you start off by telling me how you got started off in astrology? Yeah. Well, first off, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. I got started off in astrology really young. I had my first reading. The first time actually someone looked at my chart, and I I write about this in the intro of my book that's coming out in January, is I, I was like eight years old. And this woman just pulled up my chart and made one statement about me. And it was so kind of shocking to me that it really stuck with me. Uh, the first time I had a full reading, I was 12. And my step new stepmom my like second stepmom's mother was a reiki master or is and was really into astrology and all the other healing arts and she thought it would be a good idea for me and my dad and my stepmom and stepbrother and sister her grandkids to get a family astrology reading so i was 12 years old and i ha- we had the reading and it really just changed my life it was really an important moment for me it was was pivotal. I felt like she was speaking a language that I knew, but nobody had ever spoken to me in before. And she had written a book. And so I got that book. And I've been studying ever since. That's really cool. I think that's a really cool way to get involved. I think a lot of people's first introduction to astrology is very, I guess, singular, like it's all about you. So for you to have it done with your family seems like really, it fits into the way you kind of do astrology. Yeah, it was, you know, if you've had a lot of different family formations, if you had a lot of step families and different ways of being in family, especially as a young person, I think at least I was always trying to figure out who was who and what was going on. And even though I knew that those people that became, you know, part of my f- inner family for a long time, I didn't know them as siblings. Like we grew up as friends <clears throat> and I knew their mom. She was, you know, in- an intricate part of my life way before her and my dad got together, but I didn't know her as my stepmom. And so it was a really helpful way to understand how we're also how we were also different and how we would take in information in a really specific way or what we would do when things were bothering us or like how we would process our emotions and i was just sitting there like oh <laughs> cuz i was the kid who you know took everything personally and like kind of took everything on in the family i think And, you know, each one of us had a very distinct role, but it was really good for me to be like, oh, you're different than I am. And uh, that clarity was the was the starting point of something for me to really realize that everyone's made up in a really specific way. And astrology is one way to understand that psychology is another way. There's a lot of different systems to understand how we're kind of composed but it's really hard as, as an astrologer when I'm giving a reading to not like somebody. <laughs> really? <laughs> because I see their chart and I, it's like you're, you're understanding their setup. Yeah. You know, like if you go to someone's neighborhood, if you meet someone's family, if you, like if you got to meet somebody who's like first grade teacher mm-hmm. or meet them as a little kid, you'd be like, 
Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's like so often you meet people's moms and you're like, I understand so much more about who you are as a person. Right. And so that's how I feel looking at people's astrology charts. And I can be a really judgmental, (laughs) not very nice person when I'm not working. (laughs) And I feel like astrology helps me be a better person because it gives me a lens to, to contextualize somebody, not in a predetermined kind of way, but in a way of like, wow, you are well, you're working with that every single day and that's a challenge and and I respect that. You know? yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that first reading was when you were 12. Mm-hmm. So how did you, were you growing up, you're like, I'm going to do this for a living? No. <laughs> I absolutely didn't want to become an astrologer. Oh, really? And not at all. Why? I grew up in a town that was very counterculture. And very, it's this little town in British Columbia. It's still very counterculture. Like we don't, the town doesn't let in any, like McDonald's does not exist there. Like Burger King, like no chains. It's a very hippie counterculture. Um, And nobody, (laughs) it's a town that's a really great place for misfits and folks that obviously didn't feel like they could fit into like wherever they were from. And then there's the like regional folks, which are people that grew up like in the deep mountains of British Columbia, <laughs> Canada. <Yeah. laughs> and so it's not a place where anybody has, it's a place of like entrepreneurs and business owners. And it, when I was growing up a long, long time ago, a lot of folks were just there to like party and live their lives outside of any kind of cultural norm. Mm. And so as a way of trying to find myself and probably as a way of rebelling, I wanted to be, I've always been massively counterculture and really rebellious in a way. And then also I've, I wanted to, to be a part of professional society. Oh, so your form of rebelling against that was <laughs> what an office job. I used to dream. I remember seeing Working Girl and being like, wow, an office job. Like, that was not even remotely in. There weren't, I mean, of course, there were office jobs where it was fun, but it's a town of 10,000 people. That's small. And, you know, there was a lot of business going on that wasn't legal. And there was a lot of like side hustles that were just as they were. And there was no, like, professional kind of track that people were on. And, you know, my dad was, like, a logger and then, you know, went into, like, air conditioning. Anyways, so it was like people figured out how to exist and do things that they wanted to do. But I I felt like I didn't want to be part of that in that way, although I was very, like, artistic. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be in, like, the arts. And then writing was always a thing for me. So I was kind of, like, brushing up against these two things. So long story short is I, you know, in my 30s, I was like, nothing's working. I can't figure out how to make a living and be happy. And I'm so broke. And I've been broke my whole adult life. And I was like, I'll go back to school. (laughs) You know that trick. Yes, I yeah. do. I often think about just yeah. getting an MFA. You know? I'm just like, wow, what if I just quit my job and went back to school? So I dropped out of three grad school programs, oh. <laughs> one after the other. And I finally was just like, nothing else works in my life but astrology. Oh, that's such a And so it took me a very long time and a lot of suffering to finally give into it. And once I did, my life just like fell into place and took off. Mm. And on the way there, there was a l- tons of signs, like, you know, falling like lead from the sky in front of me. And I'd be like, that's weird. And then I'm like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with my life? <laughs> this sign. Hmm. Some, please show me what to do. And I'd be like, boom. And I'd be like, God, I just don't know. <laughs> so how did you kind of turn that, turn back into astrology, into a career? It really just told me what to do. I just listened. And, you know, because, I, because I've been doing astrology for so long and I have been charging for readings for a very long time, just not making it my sole kind of base of income. But 10 years ago, you know, social media didn't exist in the way that it does now. And, and online classes didn't either. And, you know, the, my business model as it is now and as it will become, you know, it'll change again massively. And it, because of the technology available... Um, I, the career I have now didn't exist then. 
So the type of astrologer I could be wasn't ever like a, an, an exact fit, which is another reason why I didn't like go all in. I'm not somebody who wants to give five readings a day. It's a really intense kind of life and schedule and some people are set up for it and they're really good at doing that one to one to one to one to one to one all day <laughs> and I love doing it and I do it and I also need the all, all the other ways in which I'm in connection with folks and I can't you can't do massive amounts of both you have to kind of pick and choose but again the being online and being with people teaching and sharing information didn't exist like it does when I when I was learning astrology when I was 12 when did you start seeing kind of the internet becoming such I'm trying to phrase an this integral question, part of such my an business in, yeah I think because previously to write horoscopes and get them in front of people you had to be picked up by a major publication and there's only so many of those and there's always been tons of astrologers I know we feel like astrology is so popular right now and <laughs> yeah. it is but everything's popular right now because of the internet yeah. it's an echo chamber yeah so there's always been a ton of us we might have been more underground than we are now but there has never been democratized outlets like there is now that we weren't able to just give out our info like we are now so the internet has completely changed how astrologers are able to talk to people so, you know, when the printing press came along and someone made up sun sign horoscopes. Really? That's a very new thing. Oh. That is not part of astrology's canon. It doesn't go back more than a hundred and some years. Wow. It is not, sun signs have, are the focus on the quality of one sun sign as intensely as we focus on it. Thank you, memes. <laughs> is really new. And it's really always been about the entirety of the chart. And the sun sign is really important because the sun is so important, but it's never been the be all end all of astrology. So <clears throat> with the advent of the printing press, then then and the creation of, you know, a couple of astrologers were like, oh, if we kind of folk, everyone knows their sun sign. I'm assuming this was their logic. Yeah. So if we can get astrology across to them, because there was the, the spiritualist movement, right? There was like this whole revival of like seances and mm -hmm. counterculture, counter to, I think, Christianity, we could say. So if everyone knows their sun signs, maybe we could write from the perspective of the sun and how the transits are impacting that thing, because that's a place in which we can all meet. You don't need to know an astrologer to know when you were born. Yeah. Um, most of us know the day we were born. So that then proliferated astrology through the gateway of sun signs. And then, of course, you know, all the books that were written about sun signs that are really popular and prominent, mostly in like the 60s and 70s. That was another big upheaval of astrology, or another big like outpouring of interest in astrology. And you can look back and see, you know, like how many books were, were printed around then or like how many book deals were signed, you know, <laughs> astrologically around then. It's, it's a, a pretty big uptick. And now we're in another wave of it. So these, so one important thing to remember is that astrology with technology always gets a little bump right that's a really interesting i never knew that and it's I've, just information it's just a knowledge system yeah like you know if we can if we can print out pamphlets for the you know right to vote or anything to do with civil rights or anything to do with feminism anything anything to do with any of those topics once we can print information and distribute it then the message goes out and astrology is no different in a way, in terms of its message getting, people wanting, you know, the astrologers wanting the message to get out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, even you bringing up feminism, the ways in which technology and kind of democratized messages ha ends up, I don't want to say watering down the message, but you make it more consumable to the masses. And do you see something like that happening with astrology, especially with the focus on sun signs, which I do think that's what, that's the sign that's based off the day that you were like, everyone knows the 12 generally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has to. It's just the way it goes. When you want to give something to everybody, you have to bring it down to a form in which everyone can access it. It makes it accessible. It's an entryway. and But that's all it's supposed to be. It's just supposed to be the gateway drug is your sun sign yeah. and, the, and the personality traits that go with it. And then you're supposed to, or hopefully those that want more, you know, go into the rest of their chart slowly, bit by bit, and start to build an understanding of it. You mentioned memes just now for a minute. <laughs> 
Can we kind of go back to that? Because I feel like all of the astrology memes, which is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show so much, is some of the most followed Instagram accounts I see are just mm-hmm. astrology memes. Mm-hmm. And most of them are entirely based off of your sun sign or kind of are very much trafficking in this kind of narrow view of what specific signs are like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when you give people a mix of entertainment, shock value, self-reflection and a little bit of love sprinkled in there every once in a while like mm-hmm. ah but we love you Taurus. <laughs> um it's really alluring and i think that seemingly for now at least we can't get enough of it and so you know we're kind of recycling the same content there's only so many things you can say about virgo or capricorn or because <laughs> it's really just that one archetype but we seem to be thirsty and not hydrated (laughs) we're not i don't know it's like this it's endless because what it does then is it intersects with pop culture and moments in pop culture and so you're like ooh, now i can look at it through the lens of k-pop and now i can look at it through the lens of j-lo and now i can look through it you can look through it through all these different lenses and everyone's like do me do me do me (laughs) drag me love me and give me attention When I've done, you know, I don't, I'm not good at making astrology memes, but when I've attempted, you know, people get really mad if you don't get to their sign quick enough and (laughs) everybody just wants information about themselves. That's why astrology is so popular. So you're saying about how people are using kind of astrology to read, I guess, meaning into moments. And I've seen that more and more with people looking at the astrological chart of a character that they love or even at Slate we did the astrology chart of a star is born for Uh just like this would be a fun like piece of content right why do you think that in this moment right now astrology seems to kind of hold the influence that it does it's a good question but I want to just go back and say that's what astrology is Mm -hmm. it's reading a moment in time so anything that's born a movie a book when you lose something it all has a chart and that's, that's always how, astro- not always, but that's really how astrology has been used mostly. So human beings are one thing, but you anything has an astrology chart that has a moment of conception. <clears throat> I'd be interested to see what time you use for Star is Born, um, the premiere of the movie. There was definitely a debate about between that, the day that I think Bradley Cooper said that he sold the movie. Like there was so yeah, many there's different. Yeah, there's a lot of different charts. Exactly. So I think we did end up choosing the premiere, but there was definitely a back and forth the about a good one, yeah. which one, which date we should use. Yeah. But I think the premiere was the most easily verifiable, basically. Yeah. yeah. There's this great story about, well, we all watched it happen, but there's a great astrological component to Moonlight. And the Oscars. So the Oscars, if you remember, happened on a full full moon, a lunar eclipse in Pisces. And Pisces is, of course, the sign of the oceans and water. And moonlight, of course, is drenched in this gorgeous moonlight and also a lot of water imagery. So it's a full moon so it's in a water sign. But the thing about that eclipse, now we're going to remember eclipses are when light is eclipsed. Something is overshadowed. Something is hidden, and then something gets revealed. Not only was that very poetically, although painfully, played out on stage, their moment was overshadowed and eclipsed by whatever that other movie was. <laughs> and But the, the asteroid Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, was conjunct that eclipse. And if you remember, the main character's yeah. name was Chiron. C-H-I-R-O-N. Wow. And You're blowing my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was Barry Jenkins who said, I've heard, I don't know if it was in, a, in an interview, so please forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think that the, the character, because Chiron is the wounded healer and Chiron is a wounded healer oh in the goodness. movie. And I, I'm pretty sure Barry Jenkins weaved in that astrology or that um, mythology, excuse me into that character's kind of name, or at least the archetype of that wounded healer. So when you look at the moments of things, that's what we want to do with astrology. We're like, oh, how is this being framed, astrology? Or can the, can the astrology of this moment give me a context for what is happening? And to go back to your question, it's a long route around, that's why it's so popular right now. We are living in a time of incredible chaos where it feels like the violence is at a really big kind of crest or high. And we know that at least, you know, you and I are, are on this piece of the earth and this land. We know that violence has been here from the get-go. 
and not well from the beginning of what we call the United States. And so we know that this isn't anything new, and this is what's under underlying the actual creation of this country. But it feels like with the person that is supposedly running the country, mixed with like environmental collapse and crisis, that we're at a moment where we all understand that we have no idea how we're going to get through, mm-hmm. if we're going to get through, or what it means to get through. We have dug ourselves into a place that humanity's never been in before. And so we're at a moment of un- complete unknowns and a lot of chaotic events are happening every day. I mean, now we're like used to the kind of upheaval that comes down through the presidency. <laughs> like, yeah. remember when it was shocking? I kind of miss it. <laughs> so, right? And you're like, oh my God, this yeah. can't go on. Now you're just like, I don't even care you're what he like, did today. He did something you know? and like, I can't recall yeah, what happened. Listen, I got to get on with my day. <laughs> so to relate that back to a conversation I was having with my teacher, Demetra George, I asked her, you know, I was like, I get this question all the time. What do you think about it? She was like, well, you know, astrologers have always had this conversation. Why was astrology not as prolific or not used in the same way in Egypt when, in ancient Egypt, when side by side in Mesopotamia, it was growing, it was becoming, it was forming, it was huge. It was used by the rulers. It was like in everything. And if you look at ancient Egypt, although it wasn't like an equitable society, but it was really steady. Not a lot changed. You had pharaohs. They were God. They lived. And then they died. And then another one came. (laughs) Yeah. Because in what we call Western astrology, where it comes from is that part of the earth, what we would now call like Iraq, um, but also obviously influenced by all these different cultures as the trading routes opened up and everybody was talking to each other. But both places have, you know, huge swaths of sky, not a lot of clouds, not a lot of like, fun, you know, mm-hmm. snow. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. have good visibility. <laughs> um, and so if they both had great visibility with the sky, why weren't they both using And they were so close. Well, Mesopotamia was in constant chaos. It was being over, you know, the rulerships and the this person and then that culture and then this and then that and it was like this big confluence of events and so in our conversation Demetra George was saying you know maybe astrology gets really popular when we need it when there's a lot of upheaval humans are like what the yeah how do we make sense of this what's the meaning of this and you there is a meaning maybe for everything and maybe definitely astrology is not it can give us context, but then hopefully it can inform our choices. Hopefully it can remind us to be kind of conscious of the space and time that we're in and that we do have, we are in a pocket and a moment that looks archetypally like this, but we have agency within that. And what mm. do we want to do with it? I see this kind of rise, as you mentioned, it, astrology rose in the 60s as well. And now which also right like and look moments. at what was happening in the 60s yeah exactly but also it, it's kind of at the same time that christianity and like modernized like organized religion kind of goes out of sway with like younger people and so i see that happening now with a lot of my friends who are really in astrology is they're not necessarily atheists but they're definitely moving away from the organized religion of their parents but don't you think that's generations and generations like who the hell's been into <laughs> i mean of course there's definitely like cultural pockets where people are like into the religion their religion mm-hmm. but i think as like a cultural norm we've been moving away from like dogmatic religious beliefs for m- decades and decades now yeah i definitely feel that but i guess a lot of my friends were all like kind of young black kids in the city and organized religion is very much a part of what my parents grew up with and my grandparents grew up with and it's not as dogmatic in some ways but in some ways like the black church is very important. And so I see a lot of my friends who grew up in the black church kind of turning towards astrology. Most of it starts out kind of ironic. And then there's this way in which it becomes very serious and like interlaced into like your daily life. Yeah. And so this way that people are trying to make meaning without yeah. turning to things they find are like oppressive or have all these negative connotations mixed up in it. Yeah. I think that um, we're yearning for things that help us to mark time. 
And I think religion is really good at helping us to mark time through the holidays we celebrate and through the different rites of passage we go through ritually during a course of a life and even into death. Like we need those ways, I think, as humans, most of us need to be able to mark important moments with community in a way that feels full of spiritual sustenance. And I, astrology can give us some of that, you know, like understanding, following the moon or, you know, having these things. I don't know if it has all of that. I do feel like if you're somebody who needs that traditional structure, which I actually really love, then we need to have places where we all feel accepted in that. Kind of zooming in to micro, reading a chart, I feel like most people do not understand how that actually works. And obviously astrology is like a field that requires a certain amount of studying and understanding things. So how, how does it work basically? It works with a lot of effort, you know, like you have to really work it. You have to work with it. You have to study it. For some people, it's really simple in a way because it's just a language and it's a language. Once you, if the language makes sense to you, it's like it makes kind of an impression on your brain and you can absorb it automatically in a way because it's symbolic. And I worked that way for a really long time. It's, It's how I worked when I was more of a modern astrologer. I understood the archetypes and I understood the kind of feelings of things and I would go a lot of my intuition. And I think I did a lot of good work and also I never felt really grounded in it until I learned the traditional principles that are just being kind of recovered over the past like 20, 30 years because we lost a lot of our, we lost our old tradition because it had, it went, it, it kind of essentially went underground for a really, really long time. And because of all of the different ways in which astrology has been shunned and, you know, astrologers of, and witches and, you know, all the, yeah. you, within Christianity, it's been really rough. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> not, it's, not, it's not been so much fun. And so there's been ways in which it's had to be pushed down that comes back up and pushed down again. And so we lost, a, we, there was this huge break in the tradition and, and modern astrology came about and it really got uh, interwoven, some might say conflated with like Jungian principles of psychotherapy and understanding the chart as a map of your psyche, which is very different than traditional astrology, which sees it as a map of your life. Mm. And so it's much less about your personality and much more about the structure of your life and the ways in which your life is laid out and where you'll have an easy time, where you'll have difficulty, the roadmap of your life. And again, they in the ancient traditions, they weren't really like, so <laughs> you have a really hard time with, <laughs> they were like, uh, are you going to live or die? Or is your brother oh, going to, you know, yeah. take all Much your... Much more pressing issues. <laughs> yeah, like, who are you going to marry? Yeah. Like, is your kids going to live? Like, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so that's what traditional astrology is kind of based in like where is it good where is it bad where is it hard where is it easy are you gonna be able to do this thing called life Um, and so when I went back and learned those kind of more foundational techniques and philosophies and frameworks it really grounded and cemented my way of working with the chart and so now through you know studying with Demetra George for years kind of one-on-one I feel like I've got a much better understanding of how we've always looked at the planets and how we've related to the ways in which they show up and appear to us in the sky, which is astrology. So you mentioned how astrology... So it takes a long time. You got to pick your road. There's many astrologies. I think that's where we get confused. There's not one astrology, right? There's so many different teachings and there's so many different ways of looking at a chart. Some people go in through Pluto some people go in through Venus, you know, it's like some people go in through these, there's whole, there's like Uranian astrology, there's all these different types of astrologies. And then there's like astrology from India, there's astrology from China, there's astrology, there's Mayan astrology, there's, you know, all these different ways of actually conceptually understanding the sky. So you have to pick a system, I think, and learn it thoroughly. <laughs> Before you start adding into other things. Okay. So but that's you just me. Got your chart read theoretically by your chart could be read 
multiple different ways yes. by different people. Yeah, and people really freak out. I had <laughs> really. Oh God, they freak out. They're like, because there's also different house systems. So the houses in the chart are the places where the planets are. It's basically essentially just a map of the sky. And there's different ways of seeing how the houses are. So I could look at your chart and see your sun in the first house, and someone else would see it in the twelfth house. And those are two very different interpretations. And people just like. <laughs> Which is right. And you're like, they they can both be right. You have to understand what the astrologer, where the astrologer is coming from and their point of view. You don't have to fully understand it, but you have to understand that they're coming from a point of view. So listen and take in the information and see if it resonates. And another astrologer will come from another point of view. I've had my chart read by a million different people, and they've all been really helpful mm. and yet they've all seen my chart in really different ways so don't get so hung up on what you think <laughs> your chart is in a way you have to get down to the specifics of it but you also have to understand that it's it's okay to see your chart in different ways it's like going to different types of therapy mm, right you can yeah. see yourself from a Jungian standpoint you can see yourself from a cognitive behavioral standpoint you can see yourself from all these different things or you can get a palm reading or you can get, you know, numerology done, like all these different ways of understanding yourself. So don't get freaked out. <laughs> I feel like that kind of ambiguity is what lends a lot of people towards viewing astrology with this. That's bullshit. Yeah. Kind of mind frame. It even feels like now when like absurdity is kind of the language of the Internet, people still view astrology with this kind of unique disdain. Why do you think that is? Um, I, I don't know, really know if I care. Um, <laughs> also a good mind. You know, friend. like, I don't know, because they're afraid, because they don't understand. Like, I've never spoken to somebody who has disdain for astrology that even remotely understands what it actually is. Mm. And Jung, to mention him yet again, is famous for being one of those people and then learning astrology and then being like, oh, this is actually really cool. <laughs> and it's a whole map of the psyche. And then he really kind of shifted the, some aspect of the trajectory of modern astrology, especially in this part of the world. So, you know, that's, I, I don't care. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you hate it. I don't, it's like, do what, do you <laughs> and find what works for you. I just want everyone to have access to the spaces that they find healing and reflective and challenging in really healthy ways and affirming in healthy ways. And I just want us to heal. I want us to all have equal access to healing. I want there to be healing justice. If astrology is part of that for you, great. Find an astrologer of 20 that you like and go for it. And if it's not, just go find a meditation class or something that you like. <laughs> go do what you want. Go do yeah. something that is going to push you to be a more self-aware human and something that helps you to understand your responsibility to the rest of the living things in your life and from here forward to many generations. And I just, I just want that to work for people. You mentioned justice just now, and I've noticed in like a lot of your astrology readings and your horoscopes, you like justice is very much a part of your framework. And yeah. That's not something I've ever encountered. I don't know how common it is because I'm very much like a novice to astrology, but that's really interesting to me. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm a somebody who is an, I'm not an activist by trade, but I am definitely one by heart. I think that there is so much injustice in the world and it, the systems we live within are so cruel and set up to only help a specific type of person and the kind of pain and suffering that that has always created is immeasurable. And if I'm going to speak about the human condition, there is no speaking about being a human without saying we don't all walk down the street and experience the same thing. We're not all set up to have an equal opportunity. And unless I can be freely open about how I feel that impacts human beings or my limited understanding of how that might impact other people, then I'm not interested in doing it. So I was never interested in, in being apolitical, although I don't believe there's any such thing as being apolitical. Yeah. I, <laughs> but yeah. When I started writing astrology, I was like, no one is going to like this because everyone that's into <laughs> astrology doesn't want to talk about politics or doesn't want to talk about systemic violence or injustice. And 
much to my surprise, I underestimated queer culture, I think. It was really well received. And I was shocked because I thought people that were, you know, really involved in active activism and or or at least in the academics of, you know, systems and structures societally and otherwise wouldn't care about astrology. And so yeah, I was really shocked that it that it anybody cared. What does your normal day look like? Chaos. Oh. <laughs> Panic. <laughs> um we were just my wife and I were just talking about this today. I was like yesterday. I was like, you know, I just realized like it's never going to get slower. Like if we if we actually go and do all the things that we're talking and we're actively building towards, it's just going to get more stressful. <laughs> and she was like, "Do you find it stressful?" She, and she was like, "Stress to me is really bad." And I was like, "Well, stress to me is like not bad or good, but it's just intense, like an intensity that like forces you to grow." So that's basically what my days are. <laughs> um, I wake up and I say to myself, you should exercise now just to make sure you do it today. And then I think it's eight o'clock. I've got to post on social media. <laughs> what is the astrology today? What memes do I have? What have I created? What do I have? In the and then I do that. And that usually takes me to nine, sometimes 10 o'clock. Oh, it's wow. such a huge part of my day, making sure I'm getting everything correct and my thoughts formed and Sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's not. So anywhere from 8 to 10, if I'm posting that day, I'll dead. And then sometimes I get addicted to like, what is ever, you know, all that stuff. Once you open your phone, you're like, why did I come here? <laughs> it's like the refrigerator sometimes. <laughs> exactly like the refrigerator. And so sometimes I spend the first two hours in the morning doing that, getting lost. Um, and then depending on my workload, so I'll have courses once a month, the New Moon courses, which I record, which are days of recording those each month. I have days of rec of writing horoscopes for myself. I write for Spotify for the Cosmic Playlist we do with them. I also pick songs with them for the playlist for each sign each month. I write something for o, o Magazine online um, for each season that the sun goes into. So Libra season is next. And so depending on all that, and then I have to have meetings with my director of operations. I have to make sure we can get my wife. She runs a national nonprofit called Free From, and she's they're doing incredible things, but she's also part of the business. And so sometimes I have to pull her, try to see if like I can get 20 minutes from her <laughs> to like make these decisions of things that we're doing. We're just finishing the last, 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 last final edit of the book. <laughs> that I've been writing for the past couple of years. Congrats. Thank you. So lately it's been like getting, you know, sending galleys out and doing all that kind of thing and planning the book tour and all of that. And then that'll come out January 7th and then there'll be the book tour. And so, you know, I just went to Australia to do press for Cosmic Playlists that Spotify is launching there. So all that to say, things change a lot day to day, but there's the regular writing work that I have to get done, the regular recording work I have to get done. And all the emails and requests so and many interviews emails. and all that kind of stuff day to day. So tell me a little bit more about the Cosmic Playlist. How did that yeah. partnership happen? You know, the, uh, <laughs> I was approached by them and I was like, how has this never been a thing before? And they were like, no, we know. And I was like, this is obvious like, and genius. And I am like a pop culture addict in a lot of ways. And... It's, it's ridiculous to say because who isn't it for? But like music and mixtapes and playlists have always been a huge part of my life. And so it just felt like a really fun way to extend the horoscope. So the playlists are like, are like musical horoscopes. So they're not necessarily about the sign that we're talking about. They're about the astrology that's happening in that month for that sign. And so we're trying to pick songs that correlate with the astrological themes that are going on for that sign and you're not supposed to like every single song it's a playlist you can skip things um but it's just generally the theme or the tone okay how yeah. long does that take you i feel like making playlists for people it always i'm always like i'm gonna do this very fast it's gonna be a cute little thing and then five hours later i'm like, like oh, oh my god, my god. <laughs> <laughs> what song what did i do <laughs> like, so i partner with them so i've got people that are you know do playlists for a living at Spotify that work with me. So I pick five to 15 songs a playlist. What I do every day is as I'm scrolling through every social media outlet that I'm scrolling through, <laughs> if somebody mentions a new artist, 
then I want to, you know, somebody that I, who I like or appreciate or think their taste is good, then I'm always like, oh, who is that? Or like musical reviews or what have you. So I'm always looking for the new thing. People send me music a lot. And so I've been really fortunate to be able to help new up and coming artists, um, especially like queer artists, trans artists, folks that might not get might not have a lot of money for press or have a record deal or whatever, but are making great music and just putting it out and it's up on Spotify. And if it fits with the theme of a month for, I've got 12 different playlists to fit. So it, they cover everything. <laughs> so if it's a good song, then I'm really excited to be able to curate things for people that they might not hear and to help, you know, names kind of get some recognition and get bumped up on the listens. Yes. Listens are like likes, right? <laughs> You want your song listened to a lot. (laughs) So you won a Webby Award. I did. We did. Yeah. Spotify night. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it was amazing. It was really, yeah, it was a really amazing moment. So do you see more brands kind of in this moment as astrology has gotten like more popular on the internet? Do you see more brands kind of trying to incorporate or find ways to incorporate astrology into Don't you? Yeah, (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) It'll end. It'll, it'll. It'll go away. We're having a moment. And it's, you know, it's not bad for astrologers. Like we definitely are benefiting off of the popularity of the moment. And I think what the moment will reveal is the quality of the knowledge that people have or don't have and the intent that each of us has. Like, you know, me and all the colleagues that I have that I know well I've been studying astrology for decades and didn't make money off of it for a lot of those years, but we did it because it's something that is like a kind of possession for lack of a better word. I think when you discover your passion or your purpose, it feels like this thing is demanding to be known by you and you are in, you can either refuse it and it'll probably not work out very well for you. Or you can accept it and it'll move through you in a way. And so the astrologers that I know, that's the case. It's like we had something kind of woke up in us and it was like we needed to know this system. And then we just told everybody about it. And it wasn't about it being popular or even appreciated. (laughs) Although I always felt like it was appreciated. Like I remember being in like my first college situation at 20 being like, so today the moon is in and like teaching people, you know, always being like, well, the new moon's at. And so I'm like, look back at the decades of my life. I'm like, I've always been doing this, (laughs) even though I didn't think I wanted to do it as a profession. So I think that the popularity and how brands want to capitalize and make money off of it is just what happens inside of capitalism. And capitalism tends to ruin a lot of things, but it can't actually ruin astrology because it's astrology and all good things are bigger than capitalism. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that's kind of come up in these interviews is the way in which social media and the Internet at large have democratized fame, basically, and how that allows people who normally wouldn't have access to this kind of social capital to prosper, but it also gives room for exploitation, basically. Do you see that happening with astrology where for the novice, they wouldn't necessarily know how to check the credentials or like know whether someone's been studying this for X many years? It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like... If someone doesn't really know what they're talking about, there's not going to, you can't go very far. You have to really understand the dynamics of each little piece of a chart to actually go into somebody's life. So are there going to always be people in every situation that are trying to take advantage of the popularity of a moment of a thing? Yeah. And is that, I feel like that's pretty obvious who's in it for what. And that's also just what happens. So, no, I don't think it's that deep. You know, it's like, it's it's not, uh, I don't think it's infringing on anybody's human rights or anything. I don't know. <laughs> if, if, astro- if an astrologer is going to do damage, it's the same way that a therapist is going to do damage or a doctor is going to do damage or a lawyer is going to do damage or, you know, someone who's giving counsel in some way is going to do damage. And so that's just going to happen because of humans. But if someone can only talk about one thing, when there's a multitude of things behind that one thing, then they're operating at that level, but it works for them. So good for them. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, So you're talking a bit about your New Moon courses and kind of the different ways that you're kind of diversifying your business, it seems Mm. like. How often do you, I guess, just read charts on like a daily basis or like other people's charts? I have a couple readings a week usually. Depending on the time and depending on what's going on, depending on who's calling me and asking me for stuff. Um, I've got, you know, a wait list that's a couple years long. And because I don't do, you know, five, six readings a day, it'll probably be like that. And it's not a way, it's just not a healthy for me use of my time to do tons and tons and tons of readings. But I'm always reading people's charts because people that are doing the courses with me will be like, I don't understand this. And then I'll look at their chart and I'll be like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, also Q, W, (laughs) and then Z too, a little bit. And so I'm always like taking these snapshots of people's charts and reading them with them really quickly. And so in that way, I do like thousands of chart readings a year, just not in like full hour long sessions. But I'll be like, oh, is this and this and this happening? And then I'll get the information. I'll be like, because that and that and this, try this and this and this. And then we can kind of, you know, put the puzzle together in a more immediate way. Tell me a little bit more about the courses. How did that idea come to you? And then how does it kind of work? I think because there was a point early on where people could book their own reading online with me. Like if I would just open up the spaces in my calendar, gen books, and then they'd just go in and book mm-hmm. it. And... I got booked up like eight months in advance and I felt like I was losing my life. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, what if I need a vacation? Or like, I didn't know to structure in and I was just like, this is absurd. And I had to just close my calendar. And I was like, there's got to be a way to be in touch with more people where it's like me doing this much work and being able to talk to this, you know, times X more many people. And then you know, we laugh about it all the time. Like my first online thing was like a teleclass <laughs> where people like dialed in and oh, I did like a, I did like a winter solstice ritual like live mm-hmm. and it was just nerve wracking because we didn't know if everybody could hear me and like it was like this mm-hmm. whole thing, but it was very like 1988. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think the next one we delivered it online, we delivered it in I don't know if we did. We must have delivered it in Dropbox. We sold Eventbrite tickets to it. And then I was like, oh, I just have to deliver content. And I was doing the themes of the new moon. And then I started giving people readings for their sign. And so it just kind of evolved into what it is now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It just through like ideas. My wife and I are really like, we're very entrepreneurial in spirit. Mm. And we'll, we'll kind of try anything if it seems like a good idea. Okay. And we'll... We're good at risking a lot. So what's one of the ideas that you've tried that haven't worked? Hmm. Or is there one? In life or just in this business? Um, <laughs> I mean, you can do either. <laughs> Specifically well, getting my problem. master's in uh, ma- marriage and family therapy did not work. It was the antithesis of working. <laughs> you know, nothing in the business hasn't worked there was early things that I did that I didn't make evergreen that I wish I would have in a way I just learned a lot on the go so anything that didn't quite work we just tweaked the next time and we've just been in this process I've been in this process with the people that have been doing this work with me for years of just refining and refining and refining and trying to get the information as like clear and succinct and deliverable as possible and like I said there'll be a lot of different 
ways in which we do that in 2020. And we're just always looking for like the next way to innovate with it, with technology, with the information in a way that feels still like soulful and deep and useful. I really want the information to be practical and useful to people because mm-hmm. if it's not, I'm kind of like, what's the point? We don't need to know more things, <laughs> but I think that we need to have experiences or that we're yearning for experiences and the experience of, of what it, what it means to recognize and understand what's happening in our life as being like exactly what's supposed to. And so it helps us to feel connected to something less alone and frightened. (laughs) That's what we all (laughs) To be honest. Yeah, be a little less alone and frightened. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you can't tell me too much about what's coming up in the future, but are there some like projects you're working on that you're really excited about in 2020 or like new innovations? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, we've got so, I mean, we've got so much on the go and it's all behind the scenes work right now. So it's, we're just like every day, like, wow, we're doing this thing. (laughs) Okay. I wonder how we're going to actually do it, but okay, we're just doing it. And um, I think everybody that works in the business with me has that kind of like go big or go home kind of spirit. And so we want to keep things fresh and we want to keep things exciting and we want to keep things really interactive. So the book is the first big thing to happen in, in January. And then we'll be launching other things after that. Cool. Yeah. So when did you kind of make the decision to staff up? I know you have a director mm. of operations. Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of different variations of staff that either they were like, look, <laughs> your inbox is too crazy for me. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> Or they weren't th- what they were hired for. The, the business grows so rapidly and, and changes so much. And so it's been, it really has been in a business sense, like having a newborn. And then all of a sudden it's a fucking toddler. And you're like, oh my God, it's walking. Wait, we need to like, <laughs> we need to baby proof yeah! everything. <laughs> Who can baby proof? Like you were not, that was not your job. Okay, but now we need this. Yeah. So we've had to like really grow and there's been growing pains and there's been, it's, you know, I started off as an astrologer, not as a as the head of a business. So I've had to really grow myself into taking on that role. And it's an incredible opportunity. I don't have children and I we don't plan on having children. So I know that all of my stuff, all of my growth edges, all of the ways in which I need to develop as a human, instead of being worked out with a child, I assume, gets worked out with the people in my life and my business. <laughs> yeah. And so my business is my child in that way. And I'm I'm trying always to be like, okay, what do you need now? <laughs> like, what books do you need? Like, what school supplies? <laughs> yeah. what, what do you need to go off and do the thing that you want to do? Because it's, it's not me you know like I serve it and I give it what I can and then it has its own life like people have their own relationship with the work and it has nothing to do with me you know like I don't, people don't I don't know you <laughs> that is, <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad that something in this resonates with you and you found it helpful but that's the work's relationship with you I'm just like part of that yeah. you know thing that gets it there but so I just want to keep being uh, facilitating that and as we grow you know we'll be we're always like looking for great talent and people to hire and to help us move the things along do y'all have like a five-year business plan we do yeah I don't know past then you know it's kind of like huh <laughs> and I don't know what will happen after we do the next kind of leg of things then we'll really it's like okay, it'll. I think it'll be a whole different beast in a way. Do you have like a chart for your business? Like I know you say different things. Have no, different because charts. there was no real. I mean, you you mean for like channingnicholas.com? Mm-hmm. I don't think I do, because I had a different blog spot. I had a blog spot. Oh wow, <laughs> TBT. <laughs> That's Throwback Thursday for the people who yell at me for using text language on this podcast. <laughs> I had a blog spot. So that's where I started writing uh, horoscopes. God, I I took them all down so you can't find them Um, because they're really badly written. Just go back and you're like, oh, it's so bad. I didn't have anybody editing. It was just a nightmare. Um, So, yeah, I don't there was no like specific start start, but we will have a chart. We have a chart for the book launch that we didn't pick it because you don't get to do that. (laughs) I think my publishers would have been like, look, (laughs) I have had enough of you. (laughs) 
Would and you, this is the last straw. <laughs> would you have picked a specific time to launch the book? If Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. We pick times as much as we can. Mm-hmm. What would you have picked? Well, you, it's more about like what's available at that time. Mm-hmm. So you have to pick a thing where the ruler of the ascendant is in a really good place mm-hmm. and hopefully aspected or aspected by or is Venus and Jupiter. And then you want the moon in a really good sign and good house and also aspected by Venus and Jupiter, at least. So, and you don't want anything to harm those things. And that's a really hard setup to get. So like every month I'll hunt for those charts for people and give them to them. I'll be like, okay, Thursday at three in the morning is a really good time to send an email. (laughs) Yeah. So schedule something, you know, like, and we, I mean, my wife runs her nonprofit as much as she can on good astrology. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of math involved in this with like the There's a lot angles. of like there's a lot of it's 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 code. Mm. It's really like okay, if this is there then this, if that is there then this. If this is leading the thing, then this is what the data is going to be. So it's really not that different in a way. Okay. That's why like once you pick it up, you're like, "Oh, this is kind of easy." Okay. I think it's simple in a lot of ways it's really deep but astrology is actually like well these are the rules and if you follow them you can probably get some good information okay you know yeah yeah nuanced as you go on but what's something that people don't understand about your job that you wish that they did i don't know what people don't understand about my job honestly i think that i am a i know that i'm a really picky precise kind of person and so i I take a long time to write the horoscopes. Like it's probably too long. I don't know an astrologer <laughs> that takes as long. Not that I'm I'm not special in it. I'm just like, God, everyone else must do this in such a better way than I do. Because there's <laughs> no way people spend this much time in a fucking <laughs> sentence in a goddamn horoscope. Maybe that astrologers, and I'm going to say, like, I'm just going to give it to my community. I think that what people don't understand is how geeky and academic and how big a nerds most astrologers are like the astrologers i know you know learn ancient greek to translate a text so that they can decode what someone was saying in a very unpoetic non like very sometimes ill-constructed sentences (laughs) that are really like kind of not even that interesting (laughs) but you have to like go through 70 pages to get the one thing that's like gonna you know oh my god this is what they're talking about and then like astrologers are academics like astrologers astrologers i think the ones that are really invested in the way astrology works i think in a lot of ways some of us are counselors more than academics. Some of us are academics more than counselors, and both are really necessary and really beautiful ways of working with the system. But I think mostly that's what I was blown away by, like getting into astrology, astrological communities, like, wow, everyone is, (laughs) like, could be a professor of a lot of different things, history, language, science, like, there's, there's a lot of studying of not only astrology, but ancient history that goes into understanding what it is we're doing if you want to do that aspect of astrology but i think that that's really there and i think that that's what's misunderstood like i always say i don't care if you believe in astrology or not but you might find it interesting to understand the history of it because it's literally woven into everything we talk about in terms of science religion and most cultures like jesus was born and a couple of wise men followed a star in the sky and found him. I think those were astrologers, guys. <laughs> I think <laughs> they knew. <laughs> Maybe. And yeah. Shakespeare, full of astrological lingo. Mm. Star-crossed lovers. Oh, yeah. And Summer's sense. Night's Dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it was like everyone was obsessed with what it meant to be a Leo. It's that, again, we lived within this these mythologies of the sun and moon. Those are our ancient gods. Those are our ancient creators. That's how we understood time, how to travel. We had to figure out where the fixed stars were and how to follow them. I mean, we needed, we had a deep relationship with the sky. Again, it's not about being obsessed with somebody's astrological makeup. But we we needed the sky to figure out what time what time yeah. it was, yeah. and so we were always in relationship. Every culture on the planet in relationship with what was going on mm-hmm. when we could see it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, 
does not really surprise me that they're all scholars and nerds. Exactly. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. But I think people just think we are people that are real astrology critics think that astrologers are charlatans and thieves, yes. and liars. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. We have a few of those cool, skeptics cool. here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining. Thank me. you really so much for having it. me. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Working. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Rachel Hampton. Special thank you to Justin D. Wright for the ad music. Thank you so much to our producer, Jasmine Molly. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions or feedback, you can reach us at workingatslate.com. Join us next week for another episode on Influencers. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.